I have good news today. Natural gas is going to be done with in 10 years. Totally done with. Certainly in Europe. Give it five years more, and it'll also be done in Asia and in the United States. It's going the same way as coal. Why? In short, because the information fog around it is lifting. And I'm going to take a shot today at explaining why. I recently read an elegantly written article entitled, Green Power Needs to Account for All Its Costs, UK Study Shows Weather-Dependent Electricity Generation Has Significant Hidden Expenses. The author argued that now that we've started depending on the weather for an increasing chunk of our electricity, it's a huge problem because the wind doesn't blow all the time and the sun doesn't shine all the time. And as a result, the intermittency of solar and wind and the need to plan for what to do when the wind isn't blowing or the sun isn't shining adds what he calls system costs, which mean, in effect, that renewables are much more expensive than they appear, which was the whole point of the article. And the author then reasonably concludes within the context of his framework that we could end up with a more expensive decarbonized system than we need. That is the type of subtle ignorance which I have to put up with, and it really makes me angry. Notice first how the author refers to weather instead of the sun and wind. That's convenient, obviously, because it sleepwalks the reader. It sleepwalks me into forgetting that the sun and the wind are free. Notice also that this is the world upside down, frankly. Like, can we please start by having highly explosive, dirty, unhealthy, and climate-changing, dirty power account for all its costs, and then go from there? At a minimum, in articles like these, can we have a disclaimer added when talking about the alternatives to green power? I've got one I'd like to suggest. Here goes. Fossil fuel alternatives to green power are a serious threat to the economic well-being, public health, natural resources, and environment of everyone on Earth through both dangerous pollution and increased climate change impact, including loss of sea ice, accelerated sea level rise, longer, more intense heat waves, wildfires and droughts, stronger and more intense hurricanes and typhoons, and accelerating species extinctions around the world. Wouldn't it be nice if that disclaimer was in every article you read about oil, gas, or coal? Welcome to episode 39 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy with me, Assad Razouk. I am so happy you're here. Thank you. If you want to understand, in fact-based terms, the continued destruction that the oil and gas industry is planning for, forget what they've already done, what they're planning for, 
I suggest you take another look at my episode 23 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy for Exhibit 1, The Petrochemicals Industry. Today, I present Exhibit 2, The Gas Industry. I'm confident you've heard of natural gas. It's supposed to be the cleaner transition fuel, which is going to help us save the world because it emits about half the carbon dioxide of coal. Notice I said cleaner, not clean. But it doesn't stop big oil in prominently featured advertising to claim it is clean energy. Shell brazenly buys millions of dollars worth of advertising presenting natural gas as clean energy as does Total, Exxon, BP, and a slew of smaller oil and gas and power companies. I have to say first that whoever named it natural gas instead of highly explosive fossil fuel gas deserves a branding award. Well done. And you know what? That was done on purpose. That was done on purpose in order to spread a fog of misinformation about it. Let me see if first I can explain what it is. So millions, maybe hundreds of millions of years ago, and over long periods of time, the remains of plants and animals, so dead plants and animals, built up in thick layers on the Earth's surface and on the oceans, and mixed with sand, silt, and calcium carbonate. Over time, these layers were buried under more and more sand and silt and rock. Then pump pressure and heat into this carbon and hydrogen rich material and it changes into coal, into oil, and into natural gas. And just like oil, we've been using natural gas since ancient times. So the oracle at Delphi, for example, on Mount Parnassus in Greece, owed its mystical reputation a thousand years before Christ to natural gas that seeped through the rocks, mentally affecting Pythia and her devotees. 500 years before Christ, the Chinese were transporting natural gas through bamboo pipelines and then they were burning it to desalinate seawater and make it drinkable. By 100 AD, the Persians were using natural gas in their homes. The first commercial use of natural gas was in England in 1785. They produced it then from coal and they used it to light houses and streets. And in 1816, Maryland in the U.S. became the first city to do so. Then we pioneered new ways to use the thermal properties of natural gas. So in 1904, for example, it was used to provide central heating and large-scale hot water supplies in London, changing, to the better, the lives of millions. Then we started using it to generate electricity and About 40 years later, in 1940, in Neuchâtel, Switzerland, was born the first natural gas turbine. The use of gas for electricity then started to grow exponentially, 
And today, combined cycle plants operate with greater efficiencies, I have to say, and lower emissions than any other types of fossil fuel plants like coal, for example. They've spread so much that natural gas plants today supply more than half the energy consumed in residences and in commercial applications in the U.S. And to be fair to natural gas, it does all that while producing half the CO2, so half the carbon dioxide, a third the nitrogen oxides, and 1% the sulfur oxides of the average coal-fired plant. In other words, it still kills you, but more slowly. More importantly, this doesn't tell anywhere near the full story. This is just what we are repeatedly told, but I'm going to try and tell you the full story. Let's go first to the life cycle of gas. So we find it basically in rocks under us in various forms. You might hear conventional natural gas or shale gas or associated natural gas. It's all the same thing, and the only difference is where you get it from. So you drill an oil and gas well or a gas well, or in the case of fracking, you inject an enormous amount of chemicals and sand into the rocks to extract it. You then take it out, and through a process of separation, you isolate it. It then goes into a gas processing plant where bad products are removed, non-hydrocarbon gases are removed, and by removed, what they actually do most of the time is they vent it and they flare it. In other words, they dump it into the atmosphere. Then from the gas processing plant, it goes into a compressor station. And eventually to a natural gas company, which either sells it to consumers through pipes or stores it in liquid form to ship it somewhere else. So you might ask, what's the problem with all this? Well, the problem is that this stuff leaks at every point. Methane, a very potent greenhouse gas, leaks at every point in this process. It leaks when we extract the natural gas. It leaks when we transport it, when we process it, when we store it, and it leaks when we burn it. And that's a big reason why methane, out of nowhere, is now 15% of all our greenhouse gas emissions and rising. It's very often dirtier than coal. Yes, you heard that right. If you look at it in totality, it's very often dirtier than coal. And actually, building any more of it also jeopardizes all our climate goals. I mean, everything leaks, and it leaks from everywhere. Last summer, a study published in Journal Science found that U.S. oil and gas operations were leaking 60% more methane than their regulator had calculated. A New York Times investigation showed that immense, that's their word, not mine, immense amounts of methane are escaping from oil and gas sites nationwide. How did they discover that? They photographed the secret pollution with a highly specialized camera in a tiny plane crammed with scientific equipment. Why did they have to do that? 
because of the lying. Oil and gas companies do not disclose correctly, most of the time because they don't have to and it's not regulated, all that leakage. Methane is loosely regulated, it's difficult to detect, and it's rising sharply. That's why natural gas's days are ending. So oil and gas companies simply pretty much lie or omit to say the truth, if you prefer, about the methane that they burn or leak. And the proof is very clear in our air, in our sky, and in your lungs. And the result, emissions of methane globally soar to a record high. And this rise is continuing. And do you know why it's continuing? Because we've been sold natural gas as a transition fuel which means that more people have been using it and therefore the leakages have been increasing. Think about it this way, for example. To move all that gas around, you need huge polluting and leaking ships and you need huge networks of leaking pipelines. So the total length of the global pipeline network for this thing is 2 million kilometers. So we've dug underground 2 million kilometers that's 50 times around the Earth at its widest length, the equator, 50 times. So we've built 2 million kilometers of pipelines to transport the natural gas that we don't actually need. That's 2 million leaking pipelines. That's 2 million explosive risk pipelines. And on top, at least 525 ships move the stuff around. And this was increasing sharply before coronavirus. So not only do we have to dig deep into the ground and the oceans to extract the stuff, but then we have to process it. Then we have to build massive infrastructure to take it around while it's leaking all the way and periodically blowing up as well. There's been 10,000 pipeline-related incidents over the last 30 years. That's why recently you might have heard that very large pipeline projects in the U.S. have become toxic with controversy because permitting for that gas infrastructure is becoming increasingly litigious, it's uncertain, and it's very costly. But of course it should be. And shipping the stuff should be also increasingly litigious, uncertain, and costly. Remember, methane is 34 times stronger than CO2 at trapping heat over 100 years and 86 times stronger, that's 86 times stronger, over 20 years. So it does not have a lower life cycle greenhouse gas emissions than coal. Because once you take into account the proper leakage associated with it, it's actually worse than coal. And that's where the art of obfuscation is. Talking about the pollution from burning natural gas, selling that as better than coal, and staying so silent about leakages which are not even regulated properly. To put a metric into this, methane losses through leakages must be kept below 3.2% for natural gas power plants to have lower life cycle emissions than coal. However, they're not. And I'm sorry to be repetitive, but in other words, oil and gas companies sell us gas as a cleaner fuel 
by laser focusing on the fact that it's cleaner than coal when you burn it, and then they bury the data about leakages of the stuff along the way. The entire debate is skewed as a result and misleading, but so many governments bought into it, and that's not funny. On a positive note, the approval of new projects in oil and gas are down 75% in 2020, 75% this year, because energy companies have massively reduced spending on exploration and production because of coronavirus. And you know how coronavirus is playing a role? It's making everyone aware that we are being asphyxiated. That's how it's playing a role. It's not just the reduction in economic activity. It's the increased focus on health, science, and lungs. So the oil and gas sector is set to plunge 75% in 2020 in terms of new projects, and that's from 200 billion in 2019. So in 2019, that's last year, they spent 200 billion building more future infrastructure that asphyxiates us. That is no longer okay. In addition, LNG investments, so investments in the infrastructure we need to transport that gas in liquid form, vanished this year because coronavirus slashed oil and gas prices. There was no new LNG export plants approved this year for the first time in 22 years. So remember, number one, there is no way to safely extract or process or transport natural gas, and you don't need to extract, process, or transport the sun or the wind. Number two, investment is drying up. And it's drying up because of the right reasons. The public is screaming that we're being asphyxiated, but... In episode 26, for example, I described a cataclysmic event in this space, which is that the largest multilateral lender in the world, the European Investment Bank, had said no to lending more money to oil, gas, and coal. So not just coal, oil and gas as well. And the reason it was cataclysmic is because We've been told time and time again by oil companies that natural gas is clean or is a bridge to a cleaner future, but now the biggest multilateral bank in the world agrees with me. It's not true. And this is more of the change that we need. Climate change is like an octopus with so many tentacles reaching into everything that we do. Food, plastics, clothing, transport, buildings, you name it. And what we need to beat it is we need system change, which is code words for top-down change. The European Investment Bank's move is a system change move, and we need much more of that. So I don't know if you're listening, World Bank, IFC, all the other so-called development finance institutions, but no more gas, please. We don't need it because it's expensive and it's killing us. Now, on a cautionary note, even if oil and gas disappears, remember we have to keep our eye on the ball because pipelines are here to stay 
and people with pipelines on their land have started to be worried about what happens when they're abandoned. Because even in their afterlives, these zombie pipelines are able to spill toxic materials. So to give you a sense of that, if you leave that pipeline in place, it runs the risk of contaminating nearby soil, it contaminates the water with leftover oil or with the chemicals used to clean it, and over time, the pipeline breaks down. And occasionally, it causes the land around it to sink. So we have to make sure that oil and gas companies not only disappear, but disappear while paying for the costs that they are leaving behind. Thank you so much for listening to this episode 39 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy with me, Asad Rizouk, and have a great couple of weeks.